0: With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Well, let me tell you, mylifeinabook.com is a very unique service. I did it for my mom and my grandmother, and it has been amazing. It basically turns your mom's life stories or your grandmother's or anybody that you think is special in your life into a book. So here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send a question via email to the special person, whoever you choose. You can ask custom questions too, but I just kind of let my life in a book choose what questions to ask. And then your special person, like your mom can type their response or they can record their voice. And my life in a book compiles it all and a beautiful keepsake for you. And guess what? They can even create audiobooks. I mean, this is such a unique gift that will last a lifetime for you, your mom, your children, your children's children. It is the best gift you can give. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use our code CLINK at checkout for 10% off. This is an unforgettable gift for you and your mom.
1: sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate. That's R O dot C O slash clink. Hi, and welcome to housewives of true
0: crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Welcome, welcome, Housewives of True Crime,
1: back again. I'm How back, are back you? Again.
0: Oh, I am getting better, so uh, that's a good sign. Still have a little bit of that—that that really, you know, sexy voice. Um, oh yeah, but getting better. Yeah, you're yeah. in like winter clothes over there. I see you. It it's cold? freezing in california
1: do you know that
0: (laughs) no i when this airs it's gonna be freezing here like the high on monday is like 21 but right now it's 70 degrees and sunny it's beautiful i'm
1: gonna look and see what, what how cold it is outside it is 60 degrees
0: Okay, that's not that cold. <laughs> Everybody else in the whole entire United States is like, are you kidding me? She's seriously dressed like she's going to the snow right now. It's 60.
1: Well, you know, I did get some new fancy uh, duds because I am so determined to take my family camping this weekend to Zion oh despite us all getting over sickness. We are going to Zion, which is 30 degrees and we are sleeping in a mofo teepee Mm -hmm. and it's going to be fun whether they like it or not.
0: Do they have like, they must have little heaters in the teepees.
1: Yeah. The teepee is heated. Yeah. I mean, and it actually is like luxurious. The only thing is you have to cook outside Mm. and Mm -hmm. I'm the cooker, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that is going to be a little, um, That's going to be a little tricky, but you know, we're going to, we're
0: going to, we're going to make it happen. I will pray that you have some, what could go wrong. Nice time. in Zion, (laughs) Hey, I did not tell you this yet, but yeah, for those of you that don't know, I went on a little vacay. If you want to know more, you can follow me on my new Instagram. It's called tab of the housewife and you can see, but anyways, when I was there, Mm -hmm. We were staying at this hotel and we were on the bottom level. Okay. And at about four in the morning, I hear this woman screaming like bloody murder. Okay. Like it sounded like this. And I jump out of bed and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And then it goes, it's like, again, again, and I was like, holy shit, I need to wake up Sean. Like nobody's waking up. Like this woman is like in like serious distress. So I go to the window and like open up the shade so I can like, I hear it again. And I'm like, I got to like see, cause I feel like she's like right there. My heart is pounding a million miles a minute. I open up the blinds and it's a fucking rooster.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me the woman was going to pound town. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so at <laughs> and you, first and you misinterpreted the sound no. of the screams. At first, because I was I like, that, that doesn't sound like a real scary scream. Oh no, it was like
0: No, it was like a blood curling scream. Okay. <laughs> so I was sleeping in the room, like we had like one of those connecting rooms. So I'm sleeping with my son, and Sean's in the other room. So I the next morning, well, I was. I mean I literally it sounded like she was getting murdered okay I must not have like it was not pound town although I did listen to her a couple times cuz I was like is it pound town does she just like you know is this kind of like some kinky shit but um the next morning I was like hey dude did you hear this woman screaming like she was getting murdered and my husband was like yeah I did and
1: I'm like and what did you <laughs> what
0: did you think to like call the police and he's like yes at first and then He's like, I realized it was a rooster. (laughs) But it it the cockadoodle do in this rooster was off.
1: Okay, well, all of this um this kind of ties into our story today. So I also will tell you my emergency vehicle situation, sort of. Does it sort of ties in? I don't know. Sure. Any sure. Over the Christmas break there was a, a fire in my neighborhood. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> on your street. On my street. Yeah. On my street. So my, my, I didn't hear the sirens. I, I slept through the whole thing. And then I sort of like, see like a text come up on my phone from my neighbor. And you know, she's usually too busy for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, now she wants to hang out when I'm asleep. You know, <laughs> I didn't even like read it, you know? and i was clearly half asleep because i should have known she was out of town but they have like some thing pulse watch or something so they know what's going on so they could see there was a fire on our street so i sent my husband down the the street street yeah to see what it to see what it was all about and and thankfully everyone was okay or whatever but i mean there was a whole lot of fire engines and everything was it a christmas tree no, it was, they had just finished construction on their house, which they did themselves and they oh. had a fire in the chimney. Oh, yeah. But, and was- then another neighbor texted me too, you know, what's up? Are you guys okay? And I, you know what I start thinking? Cause this is how crazy I am. I'm like, those bitches think it's my house on fire because I have so many effing Christmas decorations.
0: <laughs> but you have a fake tree, so you're good.
1: Oh, i'm like is that what this is about too. my shit is fire safe not exactly though i'm really bad with the extension cords and stuff uh, i yeah. am like but this this fire on my street made me real nervous yeah yeah
0: fire and, is scary man i do not like ye
1: yeah fire is scary and i really like to leave things on all night long yeah that's probably not
0: a good idea Especially I know, when that's you've what got, they say. Like, the
1: Chevy Chase Christmas vacation going on at your house. But I love that moment when you wake up in the morning and it's still there. Like it's like so peaceful. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Dark. It's so crazy. All right. Are you telling us a story? <laughs> yes, today? I am. I am. I am. I am. Okay, let's do it. Today's case came to me via listener in sort of an unusual fashion. So I'm not going to tell you all about that part until the end. So okay. stay tuned. It takes place in the Seattle and surrounding areas, including Everett, Washington, home of George and Margaret Keller. These two kids, George and Margaret, married back in 1960.
0: Hmm.
1: Margaret wore the big white dress and George wore a tux. They looked like a pretty 1960 cookie cutter couple and went on to live a pretty cookie cutter life of sorts. They were pretty adorable. And actually, almost 64 years later, I got to tell you, they, they still are.
0: You've George, seen them recently? I have
1: seen them. Yes. Maybe I'll post a picture in the group. Uh huh. Okay. Um, I mean, we might even be friends on Facebook now. <laughs> Did you request them? <laughs> well, no, oh I'm following them. That that is too. They, they don't really follow me. Is it you one know? of those? Situations? It's one sided. You oh, know so. how I get them in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but um, okay. anywho, George was in advertising, and Margaret was a doting housewife in 1966. She had the first of three children, a boy named Paul. Now, back in 1966, things worked a little different when you were in the hospital for the baby deliverin'. They did not typically leave that baby with you very much. Let you get your yeah, rest. I heard yeah. that.
0: I, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of with it.
1: You are. Okay, well, maybe you'll change your mind after you hear this. Okay, oh, no. so... Back then, you know, they would whisk your baby away into a nursery and let this, you know, newborn person get used to the outside world of your womb by being sporadically held by different strangers. Well, I don't like that. It's kind of weird when you think about it, right?
0: I like getting sleep, but I also like um, like maybe just one nurse, you know, (laughs) like a baby nurse.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember having a really hard time every time they took them. Like I wanted to go or I would send my husband or like something.
0: The first two, I was like that. And then the third, my nurse was uh, a friend's mom. And she was like, do you want me to take them so you could sleep? And I was like, oh, yes, because I have two more at home that are one and three.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So there is there is something to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. While baby Paul was in the nursery and, you know, Margaret was presumably resting, there was an incident that was the result of his umbilical cord not being clamped properly. I didn't know that was really such a big deal, but it is because Paul lost a lot of blood, enough to turn blue and cold. Oh medical Yeah. The medical records say things like he was hypoxic and suffered fetal distress. Now, you would think that would qualify as the kind of thing medical professionals would mention to To the parents. Yeah. Yeah, Or not because they don't want to get sued. Right. So sadly it would be many, many years later that George and Margaret would learn about what had happened and that that was likely the missing piece of the puzzle of what would be a life sentence of torment for them because something prevented Paul from experiencing empathy. You see, George and Margaret went on to have two more children, Ruth and Ben. And as they grew up, they spent much of their time fearing for them because of Paul's unempathetic behavior. What Paul was diagnosed with was ADD hyperactive, but the Kellers suffered much more than your typical family addressing an ADD diagnosis. Paul was violent. His family has countless stories of his outbursts that resulted in injury that somehow unfazed him. When his brother was a toddler, he broke his femur vertically. He held his sister underwater so long, she's still afraid of the water. According to Margaret, the hardest part was always after any one of these episodes, he seemed unable to show remorse and they didn't know how to help him just connect the dots. You know, Mm -hmm. they took him to numerous doctors and tried medication, but to no avail. The family lived in survival mode for years. Paul set fire to a vacant house when he was nine, and George thought it would serve Paul to have firefighters and police lay into him about the real dangers of fire. This tactic did have an effect on Paul in a way because he became fascinated with all things fire. He got a scanner and a camera And when he would hear about a fire, he would jump on his bike and traverse miles and miles to get to the scene as soon as he could, as fast as his bike would take him. His parents saw this as like a positive outlet for him. (laughs) Well, as I mean, I can imagine you're under all this stress. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. They're like, go burn some energies. Try not to strangle one of us. Yeah. Get. Yeah. Okay. So, as his teenage years passed, his outbursts were still something they had to handle, and he had numerous problems at school, but he did graduate from the private Christian school they had enrolled him in. He was active along with the rest of his family in the church community. And so, while Paul was challenging to certain people like his family and educators, for the most part, the rest of the world saw Paul as a functional person. Paul himself blames slash describes the problem with his childhood as being he was much more over disciplined than his siblings. Mm. You know, I mean probably
0: needed more discipline because he was getting in more trouble, which happens a lot with kids that have differences.
1: Yeah, I know. I kind of have that going on sometimes with one of my kids. They're always like, you always say it's me. And I'm like, because it always is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Stop. <laughs> yeah. As far as school went, he says that he always thought of himself as years ahead of the work. Hmm? But his grades just never reflected it. I mean, drag, right? Yeah. So he's pretty feeling himself, I would say. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks Astapro for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy suffering friends out there. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink.
0: You have heard me talk about my language learning skills with Rosetta Stone, and I'm telling you, I'm getting really good at it. I learned a little bit of Japanese before we went to Japan last year, and I really love the French language, so I'm learning French at the moment Bonjour, bonsoir. I'm even getting a little bit of the accent down. Not very good, but I'm I'm getting there. And with Rosetta Stone, it makes it so easy. I download it on my phone. I learn it in the car. It is awesome. You can do it on your desktop, wherever you find it convenient. They are there for you. And they have 25 languages, you guys, that you can use. And right now they are giving a lifetime membership for 50% off. So you can learn as many languages as you want for your entire life, which is amazing. And the best part is it starts off, you know, with just words and then phrases and then sentences. And then you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that also knows the language, which is, you know, my entire goal. So don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now. Seriously, get started before your summer vacay. our listeners get 50% off the lifetime membership. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem it today at rosettastone.com forward slash today.
1: Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great head to acorns.com slash clink or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today client testimonial may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink investing involves risk including the loss of the principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns fees before investing acorns advisors LLC. Acorns is an S E C registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by ACORN Securities LLC member, F I N R A slash S-I-P-C. For more information, visit Acorns.com. Side note, my read on Paul is that he's he's like a know it all guy that mm-hmm. is just he's super dramatic when he doesn't get his way. Um, I don't have a lot of tolerance for people like that. Right. But Some people do, and Paul did have friends, and among some of those included firefighters. Paul liked to hang out at fire stations, which I didn't even know was like an option. But Mm. apparently, some welcome you to just roll up. You can just say like, hey, what are you doing? That's so weird to me.
0: Well, I don't know. If they're not busy. I feel like
1: they're always busy. Yeah they're not always busy. They're not always busy. No. Okay. No. Well, you would know. Okay, so part of Paul's way in was he told them that he was writing a book about the history of fires. So he wanted to know about what was going on with the later latest, you know, fire scene and equipment. And coming from Paul, this seems totally plausible because he was insanely knowledgeable about fire shit. I mean, I believe the proper word is fire science, but Mm -hmm. he knew a lot about it. Now, I bet I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, shoot, Paul, why don't you just parlay all that knowledge into a firefighting career?
0: Yeah, or a fire investigator, something like that. Something involving fire,
1: right? I mean, you would think, I would think with all that bike riding that he was doing to get to all of the scenes, he would surely pass the physical. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not sure exactly which part of the rigorous test for firefighting Paul didn't pass, but I know he didn't pass it twice. And that was a real buzzkill for Paul because, you know, it was like really his thing. And so he ended up bouncing around jobs.
0: Maybe it was more the psychological portion of it. Uh, Maybe,
1: right? Yeah. I read at some point he worked as a bookkeeper and was let go after his desk caught fire under suspicious circumstances. (laughs) Your desk (laughs) catch fire? <laughs> and you get fired for it. I really, I really, I'm very, I apologize, listeners. I really wish I knew more about those circumstances, but <laughs> well, I don't know. My Let daughter, your imagination run wild.
0: My daughter was just watching this TikTok last night and she was like, look at these people making all this food in their dorm. They have this like dorm food TikTok mm-hmm. and it's like a skillet that you make everything on. And I'm like, yeah it's that's that's a no bueno like that's not happening in the dorm room or maybe it is but it's definitely the rn or the ra or whatever their name is
1: i don't think that's like legal not with it no way dude that could start fire for sure maybe i should be watching that show so i don't have to cook outside of the teepee.
0: oh 100 <laughs> i'll have kyla send you the tiktoks they make a whole damn meal In the dorm room on one, one little teeny tiny thing. I'll send it to you. Okay. Okay. But I'm thinking that's maybe how his desk caught on fire. Maybe.
1: I'm sure. Okay. So anyways, despite his less than stable employment history, he managed to meet a young lady who let him put a ring on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. They met at church where, by the way, he was in the choir. For a variety of reasons, the marriage only lasted six months. I found an article where his aunt is quoted as saying she thought that the problem with the marriage was Paul was out at all hours chasing sirens. And, you know, that was too much for his new boo. And I'm sure that was annoying, right? He's like a storm chaser. Yeah. But Paul admits to additionally having developed a problem with alcohol, dope, dope. a.k.a. pot, <laughs> that's what AKA it A.k.a. marijuana. Marijuana. Remember, back in the 90s, it was still classified as a problem, people, okay? And also a problem with the pornography, mm. right? So I speculate... There was a variety of factors that led to the marriage not lasting long. Okay? I think
0: that the whole dope thing also could have prohibited him from
1: getting the firefighter job. Oh, word. But yeah. I'm not sure if he took that up after. Okay. Divorce is always a drag, but Paul took things extra. Like he really beats himself up. I think because he's such a poser. He puts so much weight in what other people think that he thinks he has to maintain this professional, successful persona. But Mm -hmm. in reality, he really doesn't cut it and he never takes accountability and like just, you know, learn a lesson and move on, you know, like self reflection, not Paul's thing. So what happens is he just loses his shit on people or turns to booze or, you know, whatever. Right. Then he probably loses his shit after he drinks the booze because that's what happens. Yeah. It's like, it's a cycle. cycle. Yeah. So by the time Paul was 26 years old in 1992, Paul's dad, George, threw him a bone, gave him a job at his successful ad agency where his other two children were already employed. Now, Margaret, the mama, says she had a feeling this was not a good idea, but she kept that to herself because that's how she rolls. She's kind of a quiet woman type, you know? Okay. Surprisingly, Paul had a real knack for ad sales. He traveled all over and became very good at closing deals and making the money. I don't know how he ended up blowing it all, but he did apparently because he filed for personal bankruptcy, which is not ideal for anyone. But for Paul, the kind of, you know, success poser, the bankruptcy was a bruise to his ego that seemed to devastate him even more than the divorce. Paul managed to keep the inner turmoil he was dealing with, manageable, sort of, but he still had a real short fuse at the office. Margaret says if anything went wrong, he would fly off the handle and it was no joke. She walked up to him with his hands around his sister's neck one day. Mm. I mean, my kid or not, I that I th- that's grounds for termination, right? Yes, Yes, but that was not the option they chose. Who, knew's, who knows why? But the Kellers had more to worry about besides Paul's latest outbursts that they had probably just become kind of desensitized to over the years. Totally. They were worried about what had everyone worried in the fall of 1992 fire. A burning ring of fire. And I don't mean the cool Johnny Cash kind. I mean the no rhyme or reason terror that was inflicted by one of the most prolific arsonists to date that was responsible for at least 76 fires in a six-month period in the surrounding Seattle areas. The fires started with churches, mostly Lutheran. And when a church burns down, that's, that's a thing that gets people's attention. Right, you know? Yeah, it feels so wrong. Right. It does. Yeah. Right. And then there were six churches in a row. So they know they have a serial arsonist, but the arsonist didn't stop with making the statement, which would could be interpreted that he felt some kind of way about church, right? Burning them down. Um, because the arsonist started burning down homes too. It was terrifying for like people. random
0: homes, just anybody
1: random one night, 12 fires were set Oh my and they gosh. would be set all over town. Absolutely terrifying night after night families multiple times a week would narrowly escape their homes, losing all their possessions. Oh my God. As you can imagine, you know, it dominated the news. Uh, you're probably thinking, well, Paul seems like the type that could get a fire started. He's volatile.
0: I he, am thinking that.
1: Yeah, he started a fire or two in his youth, and he's kind of obsessed with fire, right? Mm-hmm. Well, his siblings, Ben and Ruth, they thought they thought the same thing. And they went to George and Margaret and said something like, what do you think about Paul being the <laughs> arsonist? Because uh, we do. And they shut them down and said, oh, come on, you guys. Like, Paul would never go that far. Or would he? Listen. So, <laughs> so we, <laughs>
0: I always say, we've done too many cases to, to like think that
1: people go that far. People do go that far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a task force was put together but the fires were so random and there weren't any witnesses in the beginning. So the investigation was slow. What they had was that all the fires were started around chest high and the arsonist just used whatever flammable behavior was on the scene. At one point they deduced some fingerprints were likely his from a fire from him at fire 28, but when they ran them, they didn't find him in the system. The arsonist left some pee in the snow at fire 42, but the DNA (laughs) was so diluted, and it was, you know, like the early (laughs) 90s, so they weren't that advanced at testing it. Yeah. But then a woman came forward and went to authorities because she had an encounter with a man not too far from where a fire had started and something about it just did not sit with her. According to the woman, the man was intoxicated and acting bizarre in the way he mentioned the fire to her. Now, that is not a whole lot to go on, and so it's impressive to me that they went to such efforts to draw more information out of her about who this man was. Mm -hmm. Okay, side note, I found this old documentary that is used as like a teaching tool called Portrait of a Serial Arsonist where one of the investigators said that they were getting so many calls at this time from mother-in-laws who thought they definitely needed to be like looking into their like dirtbag son-in-laws for the arsons.
0: Oh my God. Well, I, cause I do think like people are drawn to fire, right? I mean, even my son wants to like light all the candles. He thinks it's so cool. And then they all like to blow them out, you know? And so there is something about fire that is fascinating at every age. I mean, you and I love to sit by a fire.
1: I am the biggest fire
0: slut ever. (laughs) (laughs) So I can imagine that like the, the mother-in-laws are like, dude, I was over at my daughter's house and this guy is trying to, Build a bonfire in his backyard.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lock him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so. Um, so I, w- I digress. I just thought that was funny. Um, so they had this woman hypnotized. Yeah. And while they had her hypnotized, they had um, her described the man she saw. To a, you know, like composite sketch artist. Yeah. So she described a white male, tall, thin, clean cut, with dark hair, slicked back, and a mustache. She was also able to recall the details about the sedan she saw the man drive away in, including the first three letters in the license plate. Wow. Yeah. K4M. For
0: that, yeah. and and this is all just being hypnotized. Yeah. So yeah.
1: bananas. I know, right? So investigators knew somehow that the plate numbers the woman recalled were likely like temporary plates like okay. for a brand new car. Yeah. So then they narrowed down the possibility to around 5,000. <sighs> and they researched, you know, possible owners in the areas, right? So at one point they call up George and asked him if he had a sedan with these temporary plates. And although George had given a car to Paul that used the temporary plates, not everything that they described about the vehicle matched up. And so from that point on, George thought, well, what a bed and roof. No, Paul's in the clear now, you know? Yeah. Right. And the investigators moved on too. They decided to release the profile of the suspected arsonist, like, you know, the FBI got on the scene, put together, you know, whole profile, what this person could could likely be, right? And also the composite sketch, and they published it in the paper in the hopes that someone would recognize the suspect and his characteristics, which were... White male in his 20s, probably keeps himself real neat, probably works as a sales or delivery person, probably has a drug and or alcohol problem, didn't do well in school, probably just experienced some sort of trauma. Well, when George opened the morning paper and saw a sketch that looked just like, like Paul, a son. Yeah. And then read the profile which perfectly described him. He says his heart stopped and has never beat the same since. Oh. His other children, Ruth and Ben, had also not let go that Paul could be responsible for the fires and they had pulled his gas receipts. Right? Cuz they're all working at the same ad agency.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: had correlated them to Paul being in proximity to the fires down to filling up, you know, a block away at times. So George and the family had to face the unfathomable to them. The arsonist that was responsible for inflicting terror all around them was Paul. There was no denial anymore. George called the task force and met with them and told them everything he knew. By the way, it's pretty bananas that the woman who just had this brief moment with Paul was able to spot on describe him under hypnosis and her recollection of the first three letters of his plate were correct. Was right. Yes. Wow. That's incredible, I think. Yeah. So investigators decided to surveil Paul in attempt to catch him in the act. Mm-hmm the Kellers had to go on about business as usual when they interacted with Paul during that time, but they were on pins and needles waiting for, you know, the hammer to drop, so to speak. His brother, Ben admits there was a praying that it wasn't him. I mean, but they know it is. Yeah. Ben says there was a point where he was in the car with Paul and he knew that it was a minute where they weren't being followed. and, he thought about telling him leave you know fill up don't stop filling up just keep going but he restrained himself because you know his parents had already decided the right thing to do was for Paul to get caught hey was um did anybody ever die in any of the fires oh well i was just about to say that so what the family was holding on to was the fact that no one had died in the fires Paul could possibly be rehabilitated and released, and so they could have some peace. In February 1993, 10 days after the surveilling of Paul started, authorities decided to go to his apartment and arrest him. He went willingly and was met by George at the police station. George says he threw his arms around his cuffed son and told him, they know everything. You have to tell the truth now. It's all over. Paul did not heed his father's advice immediately. The first 15 minutes of his interview, he said he didn't know what they were talking about. He's not a criminal. But when they mentioned, you know, Paul, you're the best arsonist we've ever come across. Paul oh, was like, that. Oh, shocks guys. Thanks. Yeah. I did set some fires. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: This <laughs> guy. Yeah. So <a> Looney Tune. <laughs>
1: Paul later blamed his fire setting on alcoholism and said he just sent them wherever he stopped to pee. If <laughs> like we were night? arsonists. Yeah. Like tab, this place would be no SoCal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Paul would go on to admit to 76 fires, and one fire that had been thought to have been accidental. It was an assisted living center that homed 400 residents, and three were killed in the blaze that Paul had started. (gasps) And, of course, the news of that only increased the nightmare that the Kellers were living because of what Paul had brought upon them. Yeah, he was a murderer now. Yeah. Margaret says she couldn't get over how casually Paul confessed to it all. It was absolutely devastating. You know, I just, I feel, I really feel for them. You know, most of the time when we look into criminals backstory, we find that they have like some twisted parents and, um, sometimes side note, they're so twisted and crazy that we don't even talk about them because we're afraid of them. That's true. Yeah. Yeah not in this case. Right? I mean, they just I I just don't get a bad vibe at all. I mean, and to be clear, having an abusive upbringing is not an excuse to, you know, turn to crime. I'm not saying that, but it's usually an an explanation worth mentioning. But this that, is that's I think that's
0: kind of where we all can it's definitely not an excuse, but it's like, okay, that's what happened. And so it's the piece of
1: the, pu- it's a piece of the puzzle,
0: right? right? Um, like, yeah, I have, I know a couple people with children that one of them in particular um, reminds me of this, this Paul guy. And I know in the back of their minds, they're contemplating like, what is he going to? to be like as an adult because the childhood is so crazy and so hard and the parents are doing everything they can for this kid, you know, but there's something that's
1: off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is really hard. I think that it is, I mean, can you imagine that this whole time they're doing, these people were doing everything they could for their son, but they didn't know about this thing that happened to him in the hospital. Yeah,
0: And so they're trying to think
1: what went wrong. They didn't find that out until years later when he was, they were studying him Mm -hmm. to like the brain of an arsonist. And then the old medical records came out and they just saw it all in writing. Oh. Can you imagine how upsetting that would be?
0: Oh my God. You just would be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Something turned off on the brain when he yeah. was, you know, I ima- lack of yeah.
1: oxygen and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how you reconcile. Like Uh, your child being capable of so much evil. But I think that possibly there's like some relief that like maybe there's an explanation, you know, that something had triggered it. So anyways, it also it came out that Paul was molested by a volunteer firefighter around age 12. So some Mm. people make a connection, but I think Think that based on his lack of empathy as a child, I mean, it was it was always kind of there. Yeah, Um, you know, arsonists are something; they're they're insecure, and they view f- fire as power. It's it's actually not that different from rapists. You know, like they always say, that's not about sex; it's a power thing too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anywho. So basically everyone was relieved that the arsonist has been caught and there was curiosity that followed, you know, over who, because it's just such a bizarre crime, right? Yeah. Who is this Paul Keller and what made him do this? Well, George did not shy away from the press and gave a few tearful interviews alongside uh, Margaret and Paul's younger siblings. The interviews were raw and honest. They say how kind Paul could be and also how they feared him. Friends and associates also spoke to the press and they said they had no idea he was capable of this and thought that there must be two Pauls because it didn't make sense for them to have been the Paul that they knew. By the way, there was one firefighter who had met Paul and called the task force during, you know when everybody was calling the tips um because he suspected him but I mean I think that tip must have gotten lost in the shuffle of all the mother-in-laws mm-hmm. right they didn't go on investigating that one um that I that I know of at least anyways the Kellers being open and vulnerable about what they had lived through with Paul and everything was not viewed Sympathetically, George lost his business. They lost their home. George uh-huh. was given at the twenty five thousand dollar reward that was posted for information leading to the arrest, and he gave it to a church that had burned down. I I don't know why people could not be sympathetic to them at the time. Um, it's a cruel world. They couldn't understand why the world had turned on them. And they just viewed themselves as doing, you know, like the right thing. Paul was charged in December 1993 with the murders of the three women that died in the Four Freedoms Assisted Living Home, and he pled guilty. At the sentencing, the judge said to Paul that after listening to two days of victim impact speeches, everyone in the courtroom was obviously moved, except you. So she sentenced him to 75 years to life. Paul was wearing Jeffrey Dahmer-style glasses at the sentencing. I just think those are not a good look, people. Mm -mm. If you own them, I recommend you ditch them immediately. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow, I was just watching. There's a new special on her ski trial. She wore those one day to the trial. I mean, she is lucky as hell that she won. Those yeah. glasses are like bad juju. Okay? Totally. <laughs> I digress. Okay, so there are over 100 fires Paul is believed to be responsible for causing over $30 million in damage. And vast majority, he has not been charged for, but... He's 75 not, years he's to not, life. He's I not mean. going anywhere. Yeah. So, he spent...
0: Where mm-hmm. is he in prison? I'm yes, assuming, so he spends his
1: days in minimum security. And okay. to quote Daddy George in 2015, Paul has served 18 years on a full-time basis as an assistant chaplain. In the prison, he remains committed to Christ, and even the guards, officials, and professional staff comment regarding his exemplary behavior and contributions over the years. God can bring good out, even of the ashes of someone as terrible as Paul's arson spree. Blessings to you all. Okay, I found that on the George Keller Ministries Facebook page, where he has 3.3 thousand followers. Him and Margaret turned to ministry at some point after they lost everything. And from my web sleuthing, it looks like it worked out for them. Well, that's good. But do we think it's
0: weird that he was burning down churches and now he's a chaplain? (laughs) Like, Kind of weird.
1: Oh, yeah yeah, I'll, yeah, listen. It's about to get weirder. Okay, so Paul is a regular topic on their Facebook page, and they post pics of, you know them together after their visits with him. They visit him all the time. Now to the part I told you about how I got this case. Yes. Okay, so my brother is a fire chief in Washington State, and Paul sent him a letter this October, and he passed it on to me. It is long and boring, but I'm going to read you a snippet from it. Okay. Okay. I just picked a random passage. Okay. Information decimation is as convenient as it has ever been. Levy and Bond verbiage mustn't be skewed to please unrealistic skeptics who vote no sport. I suggest educating using direct unambiguous, formally analytically valid, and objectively true facts in relevant context. Your role includes that of a vuncular uncle who must be willing to be responsive to questions and humbly assertive when necessary to correct errant notions that impact public safety. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, Sounds to me
0: like he's playing a little too much Wordle, Uh, and um, what's that other one that um, uh, that it's like Scrabble for people that they do it back and forth. Words, I mean, with words, words with friends. Words with friends.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, my first thought was like, is there nothing but the dictionary on that Le Book Cart at this prison or no, what? It's, right? it's okay. words with friends. You have to like, you have to get
0: all these words that like are long and no one knows about, right? And so, right. um, and then, and how long is this letter? Is it like pages? It's like
1: three. No, it's three pages typed. Oh, yeah. Three pages.
0: Okay. That's long. And it's all like that. I mean, holy cow. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I have no idea what he's talking about. I, I, I tried to read the letter multiple times. Um, I don't know what he's talking about too. It sounds like a lot of nothing, but my take on it is Paul's still got it real bad for fire. Of course and he does. That's why he's I think, locked up. <laughs> There's I thank no God. Way that guy. Thank God. He is locked up out. because personally, after reading this letter, I don't have any doubts that if he wasn't locked up, he'd be blazing it up. He would be blazing it up. He in is more obsessed. Ways than
0: one. Uh, yeah, okay. and then he writes your brother, who is like a fire captain. I mean, uh-huh. that's
1: crazy. So I asked my brother what his take was on the letter, mm-hmm. and if he thought Paul had anything valid to say.
0: And your brother used to also be a fire in- investigator.
1: Yeah too yeah okay so um this is what he had to say he said paul has a great deal of fire department operations knowledge he was known to hang around local volunteer and paid fire stations prior to ever being suspected of setting any fires Some of our past volunteers remember Paul attending the grand opening of our Old Town fire station around 1990. He definitely has access to local knows and is familiar with the recent fires in Sonomish County and probably saw me either quoted or interviewed for a fire to get my name and rank. As far as his suggestions, most make about 80% sense. He does not know all the current information, which makes some of his ideas appear ignorant, but he sure does know more than the average person.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Brother Bear, for that. I'm surprised he hasn't set any fires in prison. It's Yeah, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cause I feel uh, like you could, you know, I watch a uh, survivor cause I am like obsessed and they have to start fire there. They have to make it. That's one of their, well, that's like one of the first things they do, um, to get their camp started. But at the end, if you make it all the way, you go and you make fire and whoever can make it fastest and blaze the little thing and get it to the flag to pop up. They win, you know, so it's possible he could, he can make fire in prison. Well, maybe he has.
1: I mean, I don't.
0: Yeah. Maybe he has. I don't, you didn't look up what he's done
1: wrong in prison yet. God, I feel like I didn't, it What they didn't show, you know, some prisons like show like all their like infractions and stuff. I mean, I know I looked up his like latest like mugshot and stuff, but I didn't see anything. So I'm not sure if he didn't have any to be honest or if, um, they weren't published. Yeah. Available to me. But anyways, okay, so there was, in 1995, there was a, uh, like a Lifetime movie mm-hmm. called Not Our Son, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. Paul. Yeah. I would. I wanted to watch it, of course, because I, I want to watch everything, but I wanted to watch it because the Kellers contributed to the film.
0: Yeah, and you couldn't watch it?
1: No, there's only like little clips on, um, uh, YouTube or the YouTube. Something. Yeah, yeah. Bummer. Um if
0: you have not watched the Natalia Grace special, Gretchen and I went over that in detail on our Patreon last week. So I would suggest if you have or have not watched it, watch it. Um it's on what what is it on? It's on um Netflix. I think I it's watched not it on, on Netflix. Netflix.
1: No, no, you didn't watch it on Netflix. Okay. It's on the I ID channel. It. It's on, I watched oh, it Max. on HBO Max, but yeah, I'm sure you can it. watch it on Discovery Plus or wherever mm-hmm. you get I, your ID channel. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm really, what? I'm having a problem. What? <laughs> what is your problem? I have got so many damn streaming apps. Yeah, so do I.
0: It's, and you know it's what? It's
1: ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I kind of just want live TV. You know, I kind of I miss being able to just I know this is such a stupid complaint, but I like I liked being able to just turn on the Food Network. I don't want to have to think about what's on. I don't want to have to go through and scroll and pick a chef. I want just to, <laughs> I want I want you to decide for me. You just want to go to Bravo and see what's on. And watch any old rerun. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to think about it. I'm like thinking about going to cable.
0: Well, also, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, what is it on? Like there, I'm watching this on Peacock and that on Max and this on that. Oh and
1: for the football, we lot. have to have cliff notes. Okay, it's Tuesday. What is that? Paramount Plus? <laughs>
0: Peacock. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: ESPN, ESPN Plus, because they're different, you
0: know. Okay. I know it's so ridiculous but if you don't even want to worry about TV and you just want to know about this Natalia grace and go to our patreon or subscribe on Apple um, you can just go right there to the clink clink club or patreon.com forward slash housewives of true crime we'll give you all the details and you don't even have to pay five thousand dollars for streaming it's only 499. and gretchy gives you an extra bonus episode of crime once a month and then every single week we talk about current events and like stuff like natalia grace which is just bananas because holy majolies um i'm not gonna spoil it here if you haven't listened but go to patreon we spill the tea and we did some digging so you'll get extra extra um it just kind of reminded me when we were talking about digging up what this guy's done in prison. So anyways, also, if you guys have not checked out Five Crimes, that's our skin care line. Check it out right now. You um, might find something amazing that you like. And we do have merch still available at housewivesatruecrime.com. There is a few things up that are still available to you. Um, And I think that's probably it for today until Thursday with our bonus content. Unless you have anything else you want to tell our friends. No? Nope. Okay. Well, clink, clink. Okay,
1: clink, clink.